The Bible reading this morning is from 1 John 4, 1 to 6. So 1 John 4, 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Thanks, Gary. Morning, everyone. Morning to those at home, staying nice and warm. It's warming up. It's been beautiful days, hasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Cold nights. Who thinks we should get um, underfloor heating for the church? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. Who thinks we should get air conditioning? Everybody. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can again be together. We thank you for your word, for each other, and for your spirit. And we pray, Lord, that all three of those this morning would come together for us to have a learning experience. Teach us, show us your ways, that we may walk in them, and that we may walk with you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that right? That's the question you should ask of every sermon that Pastor Charlie preaches. <laughs> and me, and Pastor Alvin. Anybody who stands in this pulpit, you should always have your antenna up. You should be discerning and listening. That's what John says in this passage that we have before us this morning. So I call it, Is That Right? John's been, let me um, take a little bit of time this morning, <laughs> a really long introduction. John has dealt with the historical facts of the gospel. That's way back in chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. That which we have seen and heard and touched, we've been able to share with you in order that we may have joy. And our joy is with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus. He's dealt with our fellowship with God. He's dealt with our sins being forgiven. And he has dealt with, uh, as followers of Jesus, we are to obey God's commands, especially the new commandment that Jesus gave to love one another. And he's been repeating these themes in his letter. He writes how our sins have been forgiven, that we need to confess them, but then they're forgiven. We're to break from the world, that entity, that system of thought, which is in rebellion against God. We're to make a break from the world and the world's influence, and we are to resist any changes to modify or to change the gospel. As followers of Jesus, we are to sin less. We won't be sinless but we are to be battling against their own sin and resisting temptation and so on. And again, John repeats, and we are to love one another both verbally but also practically, he writes. 
And this morning he tells us that we are to be bold in dealing with false teachers. God has given us a mind and God expects us to use it. And this passage reminds us of that great theological truth, which is that God speaks to us through his son. He is the centerpiece of God's revelation to us. The Bible points to him, the Bible is about him, and as followers of the Lord Jesus, it's us learning more and more about him. John gives us, uh, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, several times, that John operates with a worldview where there are two kingdoms. And I usually talk about it as the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of unbelief, and then I talk about the kingdom of God. It's probably more helpful to think of it as there is a kingdom around us, which is the kingdom of Satan, the world, and unbelief. And within that kingdom, there is another kingdom, the kingdom of God. We are still in the world, but we are different to, and we are not of the world. We are part of the kingdom of God. We live in this spirit world. God's spirit permeates the entire world, even the world of unbelievers. He provides for them. He watches over them. They are made in his image, but they are in rebellion against him. He sent his son to die for all of them, for all of us. And those who are in the kingdom of God are those people who have responded to the invitation and the command to repent, to believe, and to receive Jesus, to receive forgiveness of sins, and then to follow him. There are other spiritual entities in this world system. There are angels, there are demons, and there is the head of the demons, Satan. Some of those spiritual entities are good, the angels, and some of them are evil or bad, and they intend to deceive and to harm. That's the world in which we live. And Satan as, is a very powerful being. He is not divine. He is a creature made in God's image, probably the first of the creatures that God made, who is highly intelligent and incredibly powerful and can do some amazing things, and he will, as the Bible predicts. Satan is committed to deceiving all of the nations of the world, and Satan doesn't like you. He's committed to telling half-truths. He never tells a flat-out, straight-out lie, usually, because that's easy to perceive. He mixes it. You get half-truths, but in the midst of that, you'll get poisonous untruth. He misquotes scripture. He doesn't believe scripture because he doesn't believe the ending of it. And he'll promise you the world, but it'll cost your soul. So, and he's very effective. He's been doing this for millennia. A third of the angels he persuaded to rebel against God and they have joined him in that rebellion. He was successful in the Garden of Eden against a perfect man and a perfect woman without sin. But he was able to persuade them to disbelieve, to doubt and to deny God. So he's very effective at what he does. The only person, in fact, that he's ever come up against who has resisted him entirely is Jesus. He's the only man who has not given in to temptation. And so he is the one who orchestrates and inspires, raises up false teachers, false prophets. Jesus told us this would happen, and it started happening almost straight away. And it continues to happen even today. False prophets are in the world, but false prophets are also in the church. So that's why you have to be asking the question always, is that right? Every sermon you hear, every podcast you listen to, every book you read, you should still be evaluating and discerning it. And John tells us 
how we are to test them. According to the Dallas News back in November 1994, there was a British author by the name of Ben Krem. He declared, Christ has returned. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? He was able to persuade people to believe him. Part of the First Unitarian Church of Dallas. Um, he pretended or he presented himself as a modern day John the Baptist and he said, Jesus is already here, he's just awaiting to appear. In fact, he's in London. He's been there since 1977. He's a Pakistani teacher and he's just waiting for the right time. He teaches, uh, not a new religion, but he teaches that everyone is a son of God, um, that he is here for all ages and that he is here to share the earth's resources with everybody, that God intends to bless everybody. And as we obey God, then we become perfected divine masters ourselves. What do you think of that? It's incredible. In fact, from the time Jesus was crucified until AD 70, when Jerusalem was sacked by the Romans, there were something like 65 or 69 false messiahs. People saying, I am the Messiah. Just like Jesus said, if they come and say to you, he's in the desert, don't go out there. Because the Son of Man, when he comes, he'll come visibly and physically and he'll come gloriously. You'll see him come. But just like in science, when I was at school, so maybe science has changed since I was at school, because it was last century. <laughs> Sounds like a long time ago when you say that, doesn't it? Every action causes an equal and opposite you got taught the same stuff as me. That's true also in the spiritual world. Every time God makes a move, Satan responds, Satan reacts. He did in the first century and he's still doing it today. Whenever God moves to save and convert people, then you'll have this deception coming in and people being led astray. As God sent the Son into the world, so Satan sends the false Christs into the world. Question, do you believe in a personal devil? He is real and he has a kingdom. And as I said, he's intelligent and he's powerful. Back in the first century, <clears throat> church was a little bit different to what it is now. Um, and the emergence of officers, leaders in the church was in process when the New Testament was being written. So there was a great deal of variety. But one of the things they used to do reasonably consistently throughout the ancient world was you'd gather together as a church. And then depending on who was there, there was an open invitation for anybody to stand and to share a word from God. And people would take that opportunity. I have a word from God. And they would stand up and speak. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in fact, you'll read that in Corinth, somebody stood up once and they said, Jesus is cursed. And Paul writes to them and says, nobody speaking by the Spirit of God will say, Jesus is cursed. But false prophets permeated the church. John talks about them. They went out from us because they weren't really of us. They were part of the church. But they came to get a secret following and to take them away. Who did Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons target? You. You're the ones they're after. Um, they already have great popularity amongst the world because they walk to the same beat as the world. But you're the target. That's why they're going to knock on your door. And I want to talk a little bit about that uh, in a moment. Um, I came across this interesting um, quote during the week called the moth effect. I don't know if you've heard of this or not. And the premise of it is really that we are easily distracted and when we are distracted, what we tend to focus upon is, is how we steer our lives. 
The report came in of these car accidents that were happening. It was in good weather. The drivers were not under the influence, but there were a number of accidents that were occurring in this area where they were running into parked cars. Cars parked on the side of the road and cars running into the back of them. They did an investigation into it and what they found out was that psychologically, if you're looking at it, you tend to steer that way, just subconsciously. And people were having this accident. It's called the moth effect. So too, spiritually. God shines his light in the darkness, but the evil one wants to blow it out. He wants you to be focusing on something else to distract you. And he, Satan has a PhD, if you like, in deception. He's an expert at it. He's been doing it for millennia. So let's see what John says. Dear friends, do not believe. Don't believe every spirit. When he says spirit, he means not just uh, like an angel or a demon, not just spirit, but the spirit within a, a person who is speaking. He's using it in that sense. Don't believe every person who is saying, but test the spirits, test those speakers to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Don't do because... Don't believe just anything and everything that somebody says to you because there are false prophets, false teachers and they have gone out into the world. So don't believe just about anything. Matthew chapter 7, the Lord Jesus in fact tells us that, that they will come to you dressed like sheep but in fact they are ravenous wolves on the inside. I know that you know that. This is what Satan did way back in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. This is how he tricked Eve this is how it worked. So he still uses the same tactics today and you'll be able to identify with this or you might know people who do exactly this. There are those, uh, Satan caused Eve to doubt God's word in the first place and there are people today who doubt God's word. Did God say, did he mean that? Then they distort it. Eve's response was, God said not only not to eat from the tree but don't even touch it. Well, God didn't say that. That's an addition to the text and it's an addition to what God said. It makes God seem a little bit stricter than what he in fact was. Um, and so it's a distortion and people do that today. They distort the word of God. And then finally, they deny the revelation. Satan says, nah, you won't die. God's lying to you. It's not true. And so there are people today who will doubt God's word, distort God's word and who will deny God's word. And the point of that is the word of God becomes our lodestone, our anchor for our testing. This is how you can recognise the spirit of God. So there's a multitude of false prophets around. There's a multitude of people with their own opinions and ideas. How do you know which one's right? This. This is how you recognise the spirit of God. Everyone, every person, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? You do it, you test it, and you will find that the false teachers, the false prophets will not own it. They'll deny it. They'll distort it in some way. They will not confess that God's son, Jesus Christ, has come in the flesh. So what is the test? Well, very simply, it's Christmas and Easter. At Christmas, the son of God became a baby, became human. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That implies, of course, that he is eternal, that he existed before he came in the flesh. 
And Easter is where he died physically and that he rose again physically from the dead. Jesus Christ is fully human, fully God, who came, who died, who rose. It's an affirmation, a full affirmation of who Jesus is. If you read through 1 John, the whole letter, then you'll find John amplifies that in different places. Those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God are true, they have eternal life. So those who confess Jesus Christ has come from God, those who confess that Jesus is the Christ, he puts it all together. And so the test is to simply ask a false teacher, a Jehovah's Witness, a Mormon, or anybody who is preaching the Bible, do you confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? I was at a conference once listening to one of my favourite Bible teachers. His name was is Jack Deere. He's still alive. He's a magnificent Bible teacher. And he was at this conference. The room was full of a couple hundred people. Um, and a lady had come into the meeting and she sat about halfway in the middle and about halfway down. And she missed the opening introductions where he said that he was going to present, first of all, some false teaching. He's going to present some distortions of the truth. She missed that comment. And she heard comes in where... He is saying things like, Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. And so she stood up, bold lady. She stood up and she said, do you confess Jesus Christ to be your Lord? And he looked at her and he said, are you testing my spirit? She said, yes. He said, yes, I do. Jesus Christ is Lord. Is he your saviour? Yes, he's my saviour. Do you believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh? Yes, I believe he came in the flesh. She fired off about five questions and then she sat down and said, ah, you're a false teacher. <laughs> Even though he answered all of them correctly. It's because she missed the opening introduction. By then, you know, 200 people are getting a little irritated with her. Um, so we threw her out. No, we didn't. <laughs> this is how you recognise the spirit of God. Do you believe Jesus Christ was fully human, that he came in the flesh? Um, I'll save that. No, I'll tell you now. There is a man whose name was Victor Ernest. He wrote a book called I Talk to Spirits. He was a spiritist, you know, conducted seances and acted as a medium and was in touch with the spirit world and so on. And a Christian witnessing to him said, you can test the spirits. He thought he had the genuine thing, thought it was real. And then he found out you can test the spirits. And he went, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So the next time he was holding a, a, a seance with other people, um, he wasn't conducting this one, he was just present at it. The medium, the one in charge actually said, he said, this is unusual, this hasn't happened before. You can, uh, the spirit has said you can ask three questions, any three questions you want, just go around the group. First question, um, Victor Ernest says is, spirit, do you confess that Jesus Christ is the son of God? He said there was a very calm voice coming through the medium which says, yes, I do confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Goes around the group. Second question. Spirit, do you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he's the saviour of the world? And by that, the spirit got a little bit ir irritated and then rebuked uh, Victor for probing with questions. Third question. Spirit, do you confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Saviour of the world, and his blood removes our sin? At that point, the medium fell over backwards and was unconscious. The spirits will not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Just like John says, 
It's, an, it's a very easy test. And so when the Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, ask them. If you ask a JW, do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? They'll say, yes. You keep probing questions because they're answering with a very defined vocabulary. They've become very subtle. They've changed the meaning of the words that you think they're confessing Jesus as Lord. Uh, no, they're not. Lord doesn't mean Lord the way you mean Lord. It means something else. So you need to be very careful. And on this one, do you believe that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man? No, no, no. There's only one God and that's the Father and then they'll be exposed. So... This is how you recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, is true, is genuine, can be trusted. Now, obviously, Pastor Charlie and I and Pastor Alvin and the elders and the board members and the leaders of our church, we are all true followers of the Lord Jesus. That doesn't mean that you lower your guard. That still means you've still got to be listening. Is that right? Because Charlie and Alvin would agree with me, they're not infallible. Senior pastors, on the other hand, <laughs> nobody's infallible. We can get things wrong. Yeah, it's been a while, but... <laughs> and we don't see everything, and sometimes we might say something, and we're trying to say the truth, but we may say it in a way which is not clear or... In fact, may sound wrong. And if it is, well, then come and tell us, correct us. Don't leave a person believing error. Let's move on. Um, tell the Spirit of God, by, do you believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Verse 3, but every spirit that does not, does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. And in fact, it's already here. This is Satan's master plan. God tells it about it. There is an antichrist, one, coming um, at the end of time. He'll sign a covenant of peace. He'll promise the world. He'll be a world leader. There's a growing shortage of um, strong leaders in the world today, and the antichrist will step into that sort of a vacuum and provide strong leadership. And halfway through, he'll break his covenant and he'll be very powerful. He will do things that will be absolutely amazing. Let me read just one. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And this is going to be important for us this morning to get this particular aspect into our heads. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. He will perform signs and wonders. The Bible even talks about Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. It's easy to number, remember, 13, verse 13, 13, 13. Some people say 13 is the number of the devil. It isn't, but it's one way of remembering the reference. It talks about how he's going to make a statue and the Antichrist will be able to breathe life into the statue so that it will talk. That's a miracle that Satan's going to perform. So how do you test prophets? Not by their works, but by their words. What comes out of their mouth is how you test a prophet, whether it's true or not. 
Do they confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? In the book of Deuteronomy, which is where I want to get to, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses 1 to 5, there is the whole chapter, but just the first few verses. Listen to this. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or a wonder, and if the sign or the wonder spoken of takes place, and the prophet then says, let's follow other gods, gods that you haven't known, and let's worship them. You must not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer. He's done the miracle. He's done the sign. Don't follow the sign. Follow the words. Do not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It's the Lord your God whom you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him. Hold fast to him. The prophet or the dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God. We test prophet, false prophets. We test prophets not by their signs and wonders and miracles, not by the size of their crowds, not by the healings that they can perform. That's not the test. Do you confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Do you confess that he is your Lord and Saviour? that he is the only way for us to be saved because Satan can manufacture signs and wonders. Matthew 24, verse 24, 2 Thessalonians I read to you, and Revelation 13, 13. And that's only a selection of them. Satan can perform signs and wonders. And yet many people are sucked in by that. That's why he uses it. They follow the sign. That's why Jesus says, you people seek signs and wonders. It's the truth that you need. Not the miracle. The miracles are nice. They're comforting. But at the end of the day, this world is not our home. We need to be part of the kingdom of God within this kingdom. Verse 4, you dear children are from God. You're part of his kingdom. And you have overcome them, the false teachers. Because the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, Satan. You have overcome them. So don't be afraid of anything, but rather overcome them, conquer them. Don't give in to their teaching. It doesn't matter how glamorous they are or how spectacular they are. Don't give in. You are from God, of God, and the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Holy Spirit is the resident truth teacher. He is the one who teaches you. He gives different people gifts of teaching and he teaches through them. But at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the one who will teach you. So when the false prophets knock on your door, this is what I would encourage you to do. Smile. Be nice. Excuse me. Pray. And I say, Lord, I'm relying on you. Please direct this conversation. And I think you'll be surprised at what God can do in and through you in that context. Say hi, and then listen to their spiel, and then very quickly and succinctly tell them about Jesus. Give them the gospel. If it's Jehovah's Witness, tell them why Jesus is the true and living God. Two or three statements, sentences. But don't try to persuade them. Don't enter into a long conversation with them, because false prophets have no ears for truth. They've been deceived by the evil one. You need to pray for them. But you won't, I won't, be the one who persuades them out of it. The Spirit of God will convict them. So it's a waste of time for you to put too much effort into it. You need to be succinct. They want you to listen to them, but they will not listen to you. That's certainly been my experience.
And I have spent hours talking to Mormons or talking to Jehovah's Witnesses, trying to persuade them and show them from the truth. I've now come to the position I'll do it once. After that, I've planted the seed. That's now up to God. But it's a waste of time for me to invest time in that. So be nice, share the truth with them, but they won't listen. It's a waste of time. Share the gospel with them, share truths about Jesus and say farewell. Don't... To John talks about uh, false teachers going around and don't welcome them and don't bring them into your home and what he's saying is don't support them. It's okay to bring a Jehovah's Witness in on a hot summer's day and give them a glass of water. Just be nice. But don't waste time because they won't listen to you. They are nice people. I've never met a bad one yet. They're all nice. They're all deceived. And they are all deceitful because they are trying to persuade you against the truth. They are tools of the evil one. So that's what John writes to us. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. This is how we overcome. They um, doubt or question the word of God. We believe it. They deny the word of God. We affirm it. They reject the word of God. We submit to it. They disobey the word of God. We obey it. They give in to temptations. We resist it. That's how we overcome. The first four are to do with scripture. Because as John will go on to say, you are from God. We are from God. Watch this. They are of the world and therefore speak from the point of view of the world and the world listens to them. You ever ask the question, how come Mormons, which is growing, how can Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses and other cults and that, how can they be so popular? Answer, because they're from the world and the world listens to them because they tell the world what the world wants to hear. They walk to the beat of the same drum. So you don't judge truth by how popular it is. You don't judge truth by the size of their congregations or conferences or churches or anything like that because they're from the world. They'll listen to the world. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And that's what the false teachers do. They package it differently, but basically they're telling the world... You're special. You're right with God. God loves you. God wants to bless you. He wants, if you give to my ministry, then God will bless you abundantly and on and on and on. And people are responding to it. And it's a lie. Verse 6. We are from God, not from the world. We're part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world. Whoever knows God listens to us. You can always tell a true Christian because they'll listen to the apostolic teaching. They'll listen to the scriptures. The us is John and the apostles. Whoever knows God listens to us, which is exactly what Jesus said when he was here. If you know God, you would be listening to me, Jesus says. But you, know, you don't know God, therefore you don't listen to me. You listen to the world. You don't listen to the truth as it comes from God. But whoever is not from God doesn't listen to us. That's the person at the door. They're not listening. They're pretending. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. 
there are those two kingdoms. There's one that tells the truth, the Holy Spirit, obviously, and there is one who is out to deceive. What comes out of their mouth is how you test them, not by what they do. You recognise them by their fruits, but you can out them by their words. You test them by their words. So what comes out of the mouth is also related to what goes into the ears. Who are they listening to? Who are you listening to? Every YouTube clip that you follow or every podcast or every book that you read, if you go into a Christian bookshop, your antennas should be up because not everything in those bookshops on those shelves is correct. You have to be discerning. If you're not sure about somebody, come and ask. And if we don't know, then we'll try and find out for you. We don't know everything. And there are many good people out there who are doing good things and there are a lot of nonsense. We are from God. Whoever knows God will listen to us. But whoever is not from God. So, my job, Pastor Charlie's job, Pastor Alvin's job, teach God's word. To spend time during the week preparing it, understanding it, packaging it, and then presenting truth to you. Your job is to discern, to evaluate, and to question. Is that what the text says? And if you don't agree, then we invite you to come and have a chat. <laughs> Good luck. Like I said before, pastors are not infallible. Just close to it. Isaiah chapter 8 is a great verse. Chapter 8, verse 20. I, didn't, I don't think I put it up there. Isaiah is talking in the context again of mediums and spirits and people who whisper and mutter and say, I've got contact with the spirit world, I've heard from God, people who say that sort of thing. Verse 20, Isaiah says, consult God's instructions and the testimony of warning. Read your Bible. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. How do you test people? By the scriptures. What's the key test of, out of all of the scriptures? Jesus. What do you know or say about Jesus? And the false prophets, the false teachers get him wrong all of the time. Sola Scriptura. Summary. When people acknowledge Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, when they hear God speak to them in the gospel and in the scriptures and they're obedient to it, when that happens and the spirit of truth is present and is at work. When people deny the gospel, when they don't listen to God speak in his word, when they don't confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's come in the flesh, then the spirit of falsehood is at work. Think about that in your conversations with your loved ones, your work colleagues, your neighbours and so on. Do they listen? Then you know what influence they're under. Therefore pray. Bearing in mind, they won't listen to you. But if they do listen to you, Spirit of God is at work. That's how you can discern it. So John says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits. How do you recognise the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God? What do they say about Jesus? <clears throat> False prophets are around and they permeate the church and the world. They're not from God. They do not acknowledge Jesus. They don't listen to the apostolic teaching, the New Testament or the scriptures. They, in fact, are influenced by the spirit of Antichrist and of falsehood. They are in the world, they are of the world, they speak according to the world's perspective and that's why they are popular in the world. 
We are part of God's kingdom. We are from God and we know God. We acknowledge Jesus who has come in the flesh. We listen to the scriptures, to the apostolic teaching, and that's because we are under the influence of the spirit of truth. Questions are available at the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray firstly for my unbelieving friends and colleagues and neighbours that you would remove the deceptive veil from their minds. Lord, I pray that you would touch their hearts with your grace and with truth, that you would help that to penetrate for them to hear it and that they would respond to the tug of the Spirit drawing them towards Jesus. Lord, there are so many false teachers and false prophets around us, so many voices on TV, radio, on the internet, in books, even in movies. Could you help us to discern by your spirit and your scriptures and help us to test, to be quick to believe that which is true and likewise, Lord, quick to shun that which is not. And we pray this in the name of the one who said that he is the way, the truth and the life. Amen. I encourage you to grab some questions. Some of them might be a little bit heavy from this week, but I encourage you to grab a copy. Pick one or two of those to discuss amongst yourselves and talk through. Make sure this truth gets into you so you absorb it as a filter. I just want to read to you a blessing from God's word and then we will conclude. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal life and eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And everybody said, God bless everybody. Have a good, safe week. Stay warm.